This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Who was Jezebel's husband? That is our next quiz question. Who was Jezebel's husband? 0491064669. If you can tell me who Jezebel's husband is, you will get a draw into the big prize draw, which is happening very shortly this morning. We only have one more after this, one more quiz after this. And, uh, and then we'll be like spinning that wheel and drawing that prize. Uh, food as medicine, a massive, massive cookbook, which is, um, filled with all kinds of goody information uh, about your health and how to get better, et cetera, et cetera. I have another text message. I'm so excited about all these text messages. Keep sending them in. Another one from Raphael. Mon, you drive and live in a bus. Fascinating. Must be difficult. Can you park anywhere? How does that work? Raphael, yes, I can park anywhere. Well, anywhere that I can fit. Uh, so I have a mini bus. It's a Toyota Coaster, so it's not that big. Okay, I need about one and a half lengths, like normal car park lengths. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's a, a wonderful way to live. I absolutely love it. I did buy myself a bus during the start of the pandemic, and I gutted it and converted it into a tiny home. And uh, I've been living in that for over a year now. I guess I'm what the kids call a van lifer these days. And I've been driving around Australia and having wonderful adventures, uh, stopping off here along the way, here and there, helping out ministries, um, having a fabulous time doing it. It's very much a life that suits my kind of personality and character. So, yes, Raphael, it's uh, it's not really not that difficult as long as you have the right sort of resilient personality, adventurous personality. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on Faith FM this morning for our little quirky show. I'm live, but Lawson and Lyle are pre-recorded. Here is another segment, Best Of, continuing their Bible study on Joseph and his brothers. We're up to chapter 43. Yes. The brothers return to Egypt. Yes. They've gone back home, said to Dad, there is this random dude who knows all about us for some reason. And he wants your youngest son, Benjamin, to come with us so yes. we can get more food. <laughs> let's pick up the story. Let's let's see what we can learn. There's really good lessons. Mm. In 43 and verse 6, the Bible says, Why were you so cruel to me, Jacob moaned to his sons? Why did you tell him you had another brother? The man kept asking us questions about our family, they replied. He asks, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? So we answered his questions. How could we know he would say, bring your brother down here? Judah said to his father, send the boy with me and we will be on our way. Otherwise, we will all die of starvation. And not only we, but you and our little ones. I personally guarantee his safety. You may hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. Then let me bear the blame forever. If we hadn't wasted all this time, we could have gone and returned twice by now. So they are really starving. Yeah. Joseph has given them a limited amount of grain because he hasn't given them seven years' worth. Yeah. They have reached the point where they should have gone twice, Mm. and now they have no other option but to go. Mm. And Jacob has held out because of his favoritism for his youngest, but they have nowhere else to go. Love. Dude, you're missing, like, the redemption story that's going on here. Oh, okay, okay. It's Judah. Judah's the one who steps up and says, if Benjamin dies, take my life. Do you know what Judah also did? Sold Joseph into slavery. Wow. He was the guy. He was the guy. Like, Reuben was trying to save him. Judah was the one that stepped up and was like, hey, you know what we should do? We should sell Joseph for money, like years and years and years ago. But now Judah's the one that steps up and he's like, I will give my life for Benjamin. Or the lives of my sons. Not that... Jacob is going to take the lives of his grandchildren. That's right. But he's like, yeah. But he is illustrating how seriously he takes this. Yeah, me and my family, like, we will do everything to protect Benjamin. In many ways, this should have been Reuben, shouldn't it? I, I guess so. This kind of has a better redemption angle on it. Reuben's Reuben was the, trying to do the right thing. Yeah, it probably should have been Reuben, but it's not Reuben. Judah is definitely finding some redemption here. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I see him as the perpetrator. He was the one that sparked the idea, let's sell him into slavery. And essentially what we're seeing, like, as we commented before, Joseph is trying to determine what his brothers are like now. Yes. Have they changed? Yes. Are they different people? He particularly needs to know about 
Judah. Judah, yeah. More than the others. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Judah was the one who, as you say, who instigated. He doesn't need to know as much about Reuben as he needs to know about Judah. He needs to know. Yeah. Well, he already kind of knows about Reuben because he overhears the conversation where Reuben's like, I tried to save Joseph and you guys sold him and now we're all going to die because of you. Like, Joseph already has this perspective of, oh, wow, Reuben was like on my side the whole time. But when it comes to Judah, it's like... He's the enemy. Of course, all the brothers were complicit, and they all put him in the pier, and they all lifted him up. But Judah's the guy. He's kind of gone through a mini redemption up through this already, what we've seen with Judah and Tamar and the kind of terrible situation that played out there. But now he has the opportunity to prove that he's changed. And I think upon seeing that, it will be Joseph's eyes will be open. But we'll see. We're giving ahead. All right. All right. Let's get into it. It continues on and it says in verse 11, So their father Jacob finally said to them, If it can't be avoided, then at least do this. Pack your bags with the best products of this land. Take them down to the man as gifts. Balm, honey, gum, aromatic resin, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Also take double the money that was put back in your sacks, as it was probably someone's mistake. Then take your brother and go back to the man. May God Almighty give mercy give you mercy as you go before the man so that he will release Simeon and let Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children, so be it. Well, he's going to lose them one way or the other. Yeah, that's he either right. loses them in Egypt or they, or he watches them all starve to death. Yeah, that's correct. What do you do now? This is desperate circumstances. So the men packed Jacob's gifts and doubled the money and headed with Benjamin. They finally arrived in Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the manager of his household, These men will eat with me this noon. Take them inside the palace, then go and slaughter an animal and prepare a big feast. So the man did... As as Joseph told him and took them into Joseph's place. The brothers were terrified when they saw that they were being taken into Joseph's house. It's because of the money someone put into our sacks last time we're here, they asked. He plans to pretend that we stole it. Then he will seize us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. So they're like freaking we're out. We're done. Yeah. We're done. It's over. <laughs> like, this is a trick. Yep. Oh, this and is heavy. This, you know, he set, up a pre- he set us up. There's a precedent here. He just wants to enslave us. And it's fun, you know, to watch how Joseph messes with these guys in many ways. Mm. At the same time, there's a very serious purpose behind what Joseph is doing. Yeah. Because rather than taking them in there and, you know, enslaving them, he gives them a feast. They're also going through what he went through. Like, imagine the terror and fear of being sold into slavery and not knowing where you're going and not knowing what's going to happen and not knowing what's going to end up with you. And then furthermore, being like the best slave ever and then being like totally betrayed by, you know, well, the your slave owner's wife and being thrown in prison and, and then being in prison and interpreting the dreams of the butler and the baker. And it's like, finally, I got to take it out of here. And then they don't like Joseph is just at every single point has been hit with the door, but persisted because of his reliance on God. And now he's giving his brothers a kind of a taste of that lifestyle and what he's been through. But ultimately, it's their conscience that's eating at them because he's just trying to do good by them. It is, absolutely. They're heading in there and they're like, yep, that's it, we're done, we're going to be sold. Yeah. But then in verse 19, it says, The brothers approached the manager of Joseph's household and spoke to him at the entrance to the palace. Sir, they said, We came to Egypt once before to buy food, but as we were returning home, we stopped for the night and opened our sacks. Then we discovered that each man's money, the exact amount paid, was at the top of the sack. Here it is. We brought it back with us. We also have additional money to buy more food. We have no idea who put the money in our sacks. Relax, don't be afraid, the household manager told him. Your God, the God of your father, must have put this treasure into your sacks. I know I have received your payment. Then he released Simeon and brought him out to them. The manager then led the men into Joseph's palace. He gave them water to wash their feet and provided food for their donkeys. They were all told that they were eating there. So they prepared gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home... They gave him gifts they had brought for him. 
Then they bowed low to the ground before him. After greeting them, he asked, How is your father, the old man you spoke about? Is he still alive? Yes, they replied. Our father, your servant, is alive and well. And they bowed low again. Then Joseph took a look at his brother Benjamin and saw his own mother. Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about, Joseph asked? May God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried from the room because he was overcome with emotion for his brother. He went into the private room where he broke down and wept. After washing his face, he came back out, keeping himself under control. Then he ordered, bring out the food. The waiters served Joseph at his table, and his brothers were served at a separate table. The Egyptians who ate with Joseph sat at their own table because the Egyptians despise Hebrews and refused to eat with them. What's interesting here is that when they're invited to lunch, what does Joseph tell his servant to go and do to prepare their food? Oh, go and kill a cow? Yes. Why would this be significant? Because everyone is in famine. And they are on the point of starvation. Yeah. Yeah. And they have arrived in Egypt where there is an abundance of food. And they are there to buy grain. Now, the reason they're there to buy grain is because grain can last a long time. You kill an animal in those days when you don't have refrigeration. of The flesh is going to last a maximum of three days. Mm. It all has to be eaten within that period, else it has to be thrown out. So grain can last a very, very long time. And grain is the single most efficient way of preserving human life. Mm. It takes a lot of grain, an enormous amount of grain to produce, you know, one kilo of beef compared to one kilo of grain. So they're living on starvation rations. They should have been to Egypt three times already and they've only been twice. So we know that they are down to the the, the dregs of what is left. They're probably down to one meal a day and they're living off grain. Mm. They're not having anything fancy whatsoever at all. Joseph... When he invites them over for a meal, he's going to put on something special for them and it's not going to be a meal of grain, it's going to be a meal of the best of what Egypt has to offer because Egypt has these things to offer. That's actually so funny. In times of abundance, like when you've got a lot of animals, you feed the animals grain so that you can eat the animal. Yes. But for them... Times of famine... You eat the grain. Forget the animals, yeah, eat the grain. That's right. And so the situation is now, they're, they're, they're going to eat with... With Joseph, they're going to eat with the uh, the Prime Minister of Egypt. It says here that the Egyptians don't sit with them because the Egyptians despise Hebrews at this point in time, which is interesting because that uh, anti-Hebrew sentiment would go on and very drastically affect the uh, the course of Hebrew history. But at this point, they all sit down with Joseph, and then it says in verse 33, Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit, and to their amazements, he seated them according to the age, oldest to youngest. Man, man, like, this this is freaky. Like, that would be so confused. Yes, that would mess with their heads, particularly because a lot of these kids were born almost simultaneously. Yeah. They come from four different mothers. Yeah. You can't just look at them and go, oh, I reckon that one's older and then that one and that. There is 12 of them. Uh-huh. And they are all incredibly similar ages. They're born, you know, a few weeks, a few months apart. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, you, how and and he sits them perfectly he's kind of building up in their minds that maybe he does have some kind of supernatural power because he's going to make that claim later on well they've already kind of freaking out they're like how does he know that we have a dad who lives back like why is he asking us all these questions who is this guy like they are just being pestered like they are just freaking out okay so he he sits them at the table from oldest to youngest and who gets the most food? Well, it says in verse 34, And Joseph filled their plates with food from each his own table, giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. So they feasted and drank freely with him. So here you've got, and Joseph, of course, is sitting with the Egyptians by himself as is Egyptian custom. That's what they did. They were a bit racist that way. It uh, wasn't uncommon for people to be racist in those days. And we deplore racism in all its forms. But if Joseph had broken the traditions at this particular time, it would not have worked for what he wanted to actually do. So he's sitting and eating with the Egyptians. He is listening into the conversation. He's hearing everything that is being said. And he is purposely showing favoritism to Benjamin. Mm. Why is he doing that? Well, I think if we kind of understand the story, it's like because of favoritism shown towards Joseph, the brothers ostracized him. Yes. And sold him into slavery. Yes. They were so jealous. 
And he wants to find out how has Benjamin been treated while I've been away? Mm. How do the brothers treat Benjamin when they're not in the presence of my father? They brought him all the way down here. Are they treating him right? And he knows that they assume that he can't speak their language. Mm. And so he's just listening into everything they say. Mm -hmm. Are they going to be commenting on this? He knows how they would have reacted back when he was there. They definitely would have commented on it in that particular situation Mm. and they would not have been happy about it. Mm. But these comments are not what they are talking about at this particular time. Well, now it clicks over to verse chapter 44. Yes. But when you get to, before we get to chapter 44, the other thing that is fascinating here is that, you know, they've kind of gone from terrible panic to, okay, now we're in favor with the Grand Vizier, the Prime Minister of Egypt. Mm. And you'd be kind of thinking, okay, what kind of a mentally unstable, schizophrenic kind of guy is this? Yeah. One moment we're spies, the next moment we're his favorite friends. Yeah. How incredibly (laughs) volatile, (laughs) yeah, good cop, bad cop, how incredibly volatile is this situation Mm. and what kind of trouble could they end up in? Mm. But right now, their bellies are full, they'd be feeling happy. That was Spectrum with He Knows My Name. Welcome back to the Faith FM show. You're here with Mon and DJ Shell. We are down to our last quiz question. <laughs> it's getting tight. It's getting tight. I'm about to bend this wheel and announce the winner. I'm so excited about this. Question to go is this. How is Babylon represented in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel also saw and interpreted? How is Dan- Babylon sorry, represented in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel also saw and interpreted? I'll give you a clue. We're looking for a body part and a type of metal. 0491064669 is the, is the uh, line to text or, or call to give your answers to DJ Shell and she'll put you in the draw. Genesis 44, this is going to be epic because everything is coming to a conclusion. This is where the story peaks. This is the climax. We're about to hit the climax of the story. So Simeon has been released from prison, Mm -hmm. 
and they've been shown favour by the Prime Minister and given them a sumptuous banquet. This is the mm. complete opposite of what they were expecting. The best case scenario they were expecting was that they would get away with their lives and some grain as well. Yeah. So now they've gone from being accused of being spies and one of them being imprisoned to being in favour of the governor. They're probably thinking this guy's a bit fickle and a little bit scary, but we won't complain about the food that is on our plates right now. Mm-hmm. What Joseph has done is he has shown favouritism to Benjamin, give him five times as much food. Yes, yes, yes. He's seated them all in the order of their ages, which mm. would mess with their heads a little bit. They're like, how does he know? And then he's just sat back to listen in. He knows that Benjamin is still the one who is probably slated to get the birthright because of what they said last time. Oh, our father will never let Benjamin come down here to Egypt. Mm. But have his brothers changed? Yes. Have they been converted? And he sees no evidence of the jealousy that they once had. So he gives them now, like, the ultimate test. That's right. Places his cup. It's just a cup. Yeah. But he's going to make some wild claims about it. He places his cup in Benjamin's sack of grain and sends them on their way. So it says in chapter 44 and verse 1, when his brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to the palace manager, fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry, put each man's money back into his sack, then put my personal silver cup at the top of the youngest brother's sack, along with the money for his grain. So then the manager did as Joseph instructed him. The brothers were up at dawn and they were sent on their journey with their loaded donkeys. But when they had gone just a short distance and were barely out of the city, Joseph said to his palace manager, chase after them and stop them. When you catch them, ask them, why have you repaid my kindness with such evil? Why have you stolen my master's cup, which he uses to predict the future? What a wicked thing you have done. When the palace manager caught up with the men, he spoke to them as he had been instructed. What are you talking about? The brothers responded. We are your servants. We would never do such a thing. Didn't we return the money we found in our sacks? We brought it back all the way from the land of Canaan. Why would we steal gold and silver from your master's house? If you find his cup in any one of us, let that man die, and all the rest of us, my lord, will be your slave. That's fair, the man replied, but only the one who stole the cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go free. They quickly took their sacks from their backs of the donkeys and opened them. The palace manager searched the brother's sacks from the oldest to the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Oh, he has set them up so, so badly right here. This would be absolutely devastating for these brothers because they know, they know at this point, they've been set up. Mm. They suddenly realised that the reason they were invited around for a sumptuous meal was not because they were in favour, but because this guy has something against them and this guy, he just wants to destroy them and he's created an excuse so he can go after them and that this guy has forced them to bring their youngest brother down and now that their youngest brother is there, this guy wants to destroy their Mm. youngest brother because he knows that this will cause the most amount of pain to their father. The whole thing would be just so confusing for them and it's like, why? Why is this happening to us? What is going on here? Why does the Prime Minister have such an issue with these men? He's got people coming from all over the world to buy mm. grain. Mm. And everybody's bringing back good reports. All the Canaanites that surround them are bringing back good reports. Yeah, we went down to Egypt and we bought grain and we're doing well. Mm. And they go down to Egypt and it just goes badly and the Prime Minister takes a mindset against them and now they've got the ultimate disaster because they knew how desperate Jacob was not to send Benjamin, how they were nearly facing starvation mm. rather than send mm. Benjamin down there. And now Benjamin has been singled out to be a lifelong slave in Egypt just as they sold their brother to be a lifelong slave in Egypt. Wow. That's heavy. It's so heavy. (laughs) What do you think that Joseph is actually doing here? This is the, the one final last test. Well, ultimately, he's saying, okay, these guys actively sold me into slavery. Yes. Will they let the younger brother go the same way? And it's more than that. He hasn't placed them in a situation where they can because they've been in that situation ever since they arrived in Egypt. Mm. They could have sold him at any point. Now he's actually given them extra motivation to sell him. Yeah, well, 
Because they can save their lives. Okay, he's listened in on their conversation. He has been spying on them. He's trying to figure out, are these changed men, are they converted, mm. or are they still the same? I show Benjamin some favoritism, and they don't say anything bad. All right, that's a good sign. But have they really changed? He knows that the birthright is most likely slated for Benjamin. Mm. He knows that the same level of jealousy that caused him to get sold should be put on Benjamin. Mm. And so now he hands them on a platter, the opportunity to get rid of Benjamin. Mm. is so easy because all they have to do is go back and say, yeah, Benjamin flogged the guy's cup and so he stayed there as a slave. Yeah, wow. You know, they have the perfect opportunity to get rid of Benjamin, Mm. who is the favourite, who is the one who is standing in their way of wealth and success in the future. Not only that, they can get away scot-free. The governor's like, no, you guys, you're not guilty. Be on your way. You know, go do your thing. Come back. Buy grain. We we trust you. We trust you. You didn't collude together. Like, that's what we know. This is Benjamin's fault. Just this guy. He's the guy. Yep. Not only do they have an easy out that has been handed to them where they can just get rid of Benjamin in the easiest possible way, Mm. but they can get away with their lives and with their grain Mm. and they can provide for their families and they can provide for their father. Mm. He's giving them as much motivation as he possibly can to betray their brother Benjamin. Mm. All right, let's let's see how they respond. Let's see whether these brothers have been converted or not. Let's find out. And many of you, of course, have read the Bible story many times over. I'm hoping that some of you haven't because there's an amazing climax coming up and mm. you're going to love it. Joseph was still at the palace when Judah and his brothers arrived and they fell to the ground before him. What have you done, Joseph demanded? Don't you know that a man like me can predict the future? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's messing with the heads, eh? Oh, totally, totally. He's <laughs> acting like such an Egyptian at this particular point. Of course, he can't predict the future. He knows he can't. Yeah. But he's just messing with these guys. Yeah. And I think they would have known we've been set up. Uh This guy can't predict the future. He's just set us up. Yeah. He's just playing straight evil. But then it continues on and says, Judah answered, oh, my Lord, what can we say to you? Okay, who answers? Judah. Why is this significant? He was the guy. He was the guy. He was the instigator. Mm. He was the one who's like, let's sell Joseph. Mm. And rather than be like, okay, we'll send uh, Benjamin back, they've all gone back, Mm. united. And that's not because they're any kind of significant force when they are united together. (laughs) They are 12 dudes in Egypt. Yeah. That's it. They have all gone back. You can imagine what's going through Joseph's mind at this particular point as they all turn up and uh, they haven't abandoned their brother, they haven't sold their brother, they haven't given up on their brother, they have all come back and they are all ready to go into slavery rather than leave their brother there alone. Mm. And Judah, the one who instigated his sale, Judah, the one who came up with the idea, let's sell Joseph into slavery, Mm. he's the one who now takes responsibility and steps forward. Mm. He continues on and he says, How can we explain this to you? How can we prove our innocence? God is punishing us for our sins. My Lord, we have all returned to be your slaves, all of us, not just our brother who had the cup in his sack. No, Joseph said, I would never do such a thing. Only the man who stole my cup will be my slave. The rest of you may go back to your father in peace. He's just doubling down and he is repeating what his officer had said. Like, okay, he didn't get it wrong. Mm. Only this guy is the one who is going to become my slave. Once again, he is offering them their life. He is offering them their grain. He is offering them as he's offering them peace. He's offering them everything in exchange for Benjamin. Mm. He, he is making it as easy as possible for them to just give up on Benjamin. Mm. He's on. Then Judah stepped forward and said, Please, my lord, let your servant say just one word to you. Please do not be angry with me, even though you're as powerful as Pharaoh himself. My lord, previously you asked us, your servants, uh, do you have a father or a brother? And we responded, yes, my lord, we have a father who is an old man, and his youngest son is a child of his old age. His full brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him very much. And you said to us, bring him here so that I can see him with my own eyes. But 
We said to you, my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for his father would die. But you told us, unless your younger brother comes with you, you will never see my face again. So we returned to your servant, our father, and told him what you said. Later, when he said, go back again and buy us more food, we replied, we can't go unless we let our youngest brother go with us. We'll never get to see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then my father said to us, as you know, my wife had two sons, and one of them went away and never returned. Doubtless he was torn to pieces by some wild animal. I've never seen him since. Now if you take his brother away from me, and any harm comes to him, you will send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. And now, my lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in this boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guaranteed to my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear this blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return to my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause to my father. It is a powerful and a passionate speech that Judah makes right here. And it illustrates that he is a changed man. Mm. He is motivated by love. Mm. And he is prepared to give his life in exchange for the life of his Mm. brother. You've got somebody who in the past was prepared to sell his brother as a slave. And Joseph now sees somebody who's prepared to lay down his life for the one person who is his father's favorite, for the one person who is going to get all of his father's wealth. He doesn't care about that stuff anymore. This is a changed man. This is a converted man mm. right here who is making this speech. I'm on the edge of tears right here. This yeah, is incredible. This, it's, it's, it's powerfully emotional yeah. time. People have tried to make a movie out of these stories and it's always been super lame and someone mm. needs to do a decent job of it sometime maybe. But you could never actually truly grasp the level of emotion that mm. Joseph would have been experiencing listening to Judah saying this and also looking at at the faces of his other brothers and knowing that if it wasn't Judah making this speech, any single one of them would make the same speech. Mm. These are changed men. They have come under the power of God. Their experience has had such a deep impact on them Mm. and the guilt that they have carried has changed them so dramatically that they are in the position where we have made this mistake in the past. We will never make this mistake again. Well, We will die before we make this mistake mm. again. Judah's given this speech. Yes. He's like, there is no way that we will leave this place unless we take our brother. We cannot give him up. That's right. We can't do it. And if no we game. can't leave with him, we'll become slaves too. That's it. Joseph could not stand it any longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and the word quickly carried to the Pharaoh's palace. He's been holding this back for a long time. Yeah, we've seen it. Like, over the last couple of chapters, like, he talks to them and then starts crying. We asked to duck out. Yeah. This time he doesn't duck out. We're talking about, you know, kind of fickle before. How confused would you be if you're the brothers? You're like, wait, what? Like, this is the guy who's driving the hard bargain. And he's weeping now. Weeping. Like crying. Not just welling up. Yeah. He is sobbing. Yeah. You would be just so incredibly confused. It's like you've gone from, you know, the hardest, nastiest man on the planet to somebody invites you back for lunch to the hardest, nastiest man on the planet to somebody who... Is now weeping. Having a breakdown in front of you? It's like this guy has is obviously suffering from a fairly severe mental illness and we are in deep trouble. Well, what he says next is definitely going to surprise them. Verse, <laughs> and make them feel like they're in even more trouble again. Yeah. Verse 3 starts off with, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said to them again, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold to slavery, into slavery in Egypt. 
but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years. There will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me here ahead of you to keep your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was that God sent me here, not you. And he is the one who has made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of the entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what Joseph said, God has made me a master over all of the land of Egypt. So come down immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds, everything you own. I will take care of you there. There are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, look, you can see your for yourselves. You uh, And so can my brother Benjamin, that I am really Joseph. Go tell father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each one of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began to talk freely with him. Okay, when Joseph first says this, put yourself in those shoes right now. Joseph first says he kicks everybody out of the room. He is incredibly emotional. Those brothers are thinking, what on earth is going on? Mm. This guy is so unstable. Mm. And uh, then he speaks their language. Mm. What goes through your head the moment they hear him speak their language? No interpreter. No interpreter. Well, I think, uh, firstly, like, oh, man, he probably knew what we were saying in conversation. (laughs) But their language is an obscure language that they've brought with them all the way from Ur. Yeah, that's right. You know, this is not the language that everybody else speaks. It's probably related to it, but Mm. it's not that language. It's Mm. it's their dialect. Mm. He speaks that and claims to be Joseph. Mm. They've never mentioned Joseph's name. Mm. No. So he speaks their language, makes this claim. It's a completely impossible claim. Mm. But what are you going to do with that claim? You know, you can sort of see them peering at Joseph. Hebrews wore beards. Mm. Egyptians wore no beards. Yeah. If they did wear a beard, it was a strap-on beard, <laughs> yeah, and one true. that they would tie on. Hebrews, they were farmers. Egyptians, he's part of the aristocracy. They wear makeup. Mm. They wear Egyptian clothing. And you can kind of see them tr- like trying to figure out, is this, could it be, is this possibly Joseph? Mm. And when they actually recognise those features and recognise this guy is not an Egyptian... This guy is our brother. He is the guy that we sold into slavery. Now we understand why we've been treated so badly. Mm. Now we understand why all of this has been set up against us. And now he is the most powerful person in the world outside of Pharaoh. Yeah, that's right. We are done. Yeah. But then he's like, don't feel bad. God has sent me here to preserve your life. Like, that is so wild. Like, oh, man, that that makes me shake. Like, as I'm reading it, what we see here is the, the ultimate forgiveness, I think. Such restoration on all sides of this story. There is nothing in this world that can truly satisfy me. Jesus love There is nothing in- 
And we are the hosts of The Marriage Project. We have a lot of fun on The Marriage Project where we talk about biblical wisdom for marriage, how it translates into real life. And we want to be with you building stronger marriages. So you can join us every Friday afternoon at 3.30pm right here on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. It's time to spin the wheel. Woohoo! I'm so excited. You've been answering quiz questions all week long, and we are finally here at that moment on Faith FM Breakfast Show this morning with just Mon. And uh, it is time to find out who's going to be winning what is actually a record breaking quiz. More entrants than ever before. This is amazing. So let's spin that saga, DJ Shell. Woo! Around she goes. Where she stops, nobody knows. Ooh la la! Ooh, we have a winner! Now! Woohoo! <laughs> oh, amazing! Congratulations to that person. We're going to try and get them on the phone, but before we do that, I'm going to run you through the answers. For today, that is, Mary and Martha lived in Bethany. Who wrote the book of Colossians? It was Paul. Which chapter of the Bible did Jesus say, I am the bread of life? John 6. And who was Jezebel's husband? Ahab. It was Ahab. Bad guy. Not that great. Neither of them were very good. And how is Babylon represented in King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that Daniel also also saw and interpreted? I know you're shouting it at the radio right now. You are correct. It is the head of gold. What a staple for Adventism right there. Bible Bible truth, actually, there in Daniel chapter 2. Congratulations to everyone who played and everyone who got that right. How wonderful to have uh, Bible knowledge that we can uh, be free to study here in a beautiful Australia. We're still free to study our, our, um, our Bibles. But we have a winner on the line. Hello. Hi. Hi. Is How that, are you? Is that Greg? Yeah, that's me. It's Mon from Faith FM Breakfast Show. How are you today, Greg? Awesome. Yeah, yeah, really well. You're about really to well, be thanks. a lot better because guess what? I'm going to eat healthy. <laughs> you certainly are. You won our wheel, our, our spinning wheel. Congratulations of uh, putting in all those correct answers throughout the week. They really paid off. You have won. You, I think you had 19 correct entrants. Good on you, mate. Uh, you are taking home Food as Medicine, a wonderful book by Sue Rad. As you know, it's a huge book. I'm sure you've seen it. And also A Taste of Food Medicine, which is one to share, hopefully with, like, with your neighbor or something. But just so you know, Greg, um, you know that the Faith FM team comes around for a meal after you win a cookbook from our show, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Excellent. You'll have to give your address to, to our producer. We'll, we'll, we'll just pop by sometime next week. I hope your uh, cooking skills have sharpened by then. <laughs> for sure. I'm so excited. I've been trying to win for so long. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, good on you. Love to hear it. Uh, stay tuned next week uh, where you can be answering quiz clues all throughout the week and going to the um, the weekly uh, spinning of the wheel to win the big prize, nice, big, lovely prize at the end of the week. Uh, we have some text messages that come in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. This one is from Brayden. Braden, love to hear from you. The story of Tamar shows both the result of sin on our character with Judah and his family, but also shows God can and does use our mistakes in his plan. And I cannot wait for the day he comes back to restore all things and repair the hurts caused by sin. Love the song, song choice too, Shell. Pray you both recover quickly from your colds. Oh, thanks, Braden. That's so... 
Do you know what, DJ Shell? Let's take Braden off the naughty list and put him on the nice list. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> yes, and yes, you know what? Shell Shell does put her heart and soul into uh, into choosing good songs. If you've ever listened closely to our to our song lyrics, you'll probably realise that Shell does like to match the theme of what we're being discussing on Faith FM uh, to the actual song. So you can actually learn a little more if you listen to the lyrics of the songs that are played on our show. And that is all due to the dedication and hard work of, uh, of DJ Shell there. Um, she's spinning those decks faithfully. So, yeah, great song choice as ever, Shell. We are going to be having another song now. This is Phillips, Craig and Dean, Shine On Us. If you entered into our prize draw this week and didn't win, do not despair. You could call right now because we are actually doing a freebie giveaway. All you've got to do is call in 0491064669. We won't be spinning any wheels. We're just going to give it to you. This time it is a wonderful book called The Table I Long For by Sean Brace. It's all about 
excuse me, his journey into finding uh, about the mission and the family of God and uh, what it means to be a relevant and meaningful Christian in post-Christian society. So if you're simply tired of going to church and you want to find out um, you know, what it means to really be a church in a community, this is a great book to start. Uh, Sean Brace is a pastor in Maine, and he is the host of the Mission Lab podcast together with his wife, Camille. This is his fourth book, The Table I Long For by Sean Brace, Pastor Sean Brace. 0491064669 is the number to text or call and talk to um, DJ Shell. She'll be uh, sending that out to a lucky listener. Just call and that's all you got to do. Thank you so much to all the people who played in our, in our big draw uh, today. We had a record-breaking amount of entrants. We had uh, Elizabeth with 24 entries, Greg with the winner with 19 entrants, five people with only one entry, but you never know. It could be that person who wins. Uh, and Greg, he te- sent us a text to let us know that he's celebrating and he's going to be cooking for his girlfriend. Good on you, Greg, but... What, a, what about us? <laughs> That's all right. You cook for your girlfriend. Go ahead. Maybe she'll be a wife with all that cooking going on. Uh, you can win her over. Have a great weekend and happy Sabbath, everyone there. It's from Greg. Yes, happy Sabbath to you too, Greg. Hey, by the way, talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining me here on Faith FM. See you all next week.